Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. All of the episodes of the There It Is Podcast are available on whatever device you are listening to this episode on. Fun episode today. A uh, little thing to share, I am in a couple of different improv classes. I'm in taking a level four class on Tuesdays, and I'm on an improv group, like a, like a nine-week group at the Magnet on Monday nights, and my brain is turning into mush. It's almost like if you're taking a, like a basketball camp or something, and on Mondays, one camp is teaching you how to play college ball, and... Tuesdays, this other camp is teaching you how to play NBA ball. I don't know. It, it seems like a natural analogy, but I just mean your brain just gets confused as to what you're supposed to be doing. But I have two really great instructors and uh, great groups of people that I'm performing with. But what's frustrating me is just like I don't feel like I'm getting better. And it's, it's really frustrating me. Someone asked me recently what motivates me, and I said, progress. Making progress makes me feel better. And it's hard when you get to a certain place in learning any skill, it's harder to see that progress. Like if you were playing guitar, when you start playing, it's really hard to press the strings on an acoustic guitar. So you're not really playing the chords the way you want to. But then after a week of trying, you see, oh, now I'm playing the chords. You see that progress. And so it, it helps you keep moving forward. But when you are still trying to learn how to play guitar and you aren't quite there where you can actually play a song, then you just get frustrated that you're not playing the song. And you're not seeing that you actually are getting better at the skill. You don't notice that you are better at switching from the chords to the next chord you know like you don't see that progress you just see that you aren't playing the song that's kind of where I am right now where I'm like ah there are these things that I want to do and I'm just not doing them well and I suck and I'm terrible and uh, why do I bother I'll never get good but it, I keep coming back to something Suli said in last week's episode in our great chat which was I'm going to get better. That was something he told himself when he was first learning improv. Like, I'm going to get better. So I just have to keep telling myself, I'm going to get better. So if you're in that same place where you're not seeing the progress you want to see, that's a little natural, okay? Let's not freak out. But also, just know you're going to get better, and you will see that progress eventually. Maybe not right now, but maybe in a month's time, you'll say, hey, I am getting better. I did get better that whole time. <laughs> Speaking of great people at The Magnet, today's guest is Lane Queteris. She is an actress and improviser here in the city, and she is on a musical improv team at The Magnet. She is fantastic. Let's hear all about her. Here's my chat with Lane Queteris. Well, Lane, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. 
Oh, thanks so much for having me. You're super talented. We saw you, I, th- I think it was the first time we went to a musical Megawatt show. Oh, nice. And we moved here last March, my girlfriend and I. So um, we were checking out shows at Magnet and we were like, well, let's check out musical because we hadn't seen a whole lot of that. Uh, and And we're just checking it out and your team was performing and we were like, gosh, she's so funny and has such a great voice. <laughs> oh, thank you. And your uh, yeah. yeah, it's public pool there. I am in love with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much. We have so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a super fun show. There was so much y'all were doing. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And also, um, uh, you know, like the, just so the listeners know, Musical Megawatt, that's the, yes. the musical house teams at Magnet and Megawatt mm-hmm. shows, whether they are musical or other, are house team shows at Magnet. Uh, and so yes. that's what I meant when I said Musical Megawatt a minute ago. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny because we just call it Megawatt a lot. Um, right. And that's not right <laughs> because Megawatt is on Wednesday nights. Uh, and then Musical at Megawatt is on Tuesdays. And we also often call... Um, improv regular improv when there's not a musical element attached so it's kind of a we're a funny breed the musical um improv folks that's funny um Mm -hmm. i want to know so here's one of the things that we quickly learned here when we started seeing shows especially ones that had vocalists on them Uh, Mm -hmm. people have been training and working in theater for ages i assume that you have been doing theater since you were uh, a young, very young lady? Uh, yes, yeah. I grew up uh, studying musical theater. Um, I went to middle school and high school for theater, actually, uh-huh. um, in Florida. Um, I grew up um, in Boca Raton, Florida, and there was a, an art school called uh, Dreyfus. That was the high mm-hmm. school, and then the middle school of the arts. So I did that there, and then I studied uh, musical theater at the Boston Conservatory, Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So and then I was on that track and um, I did uh, the show Dirty Dancing after that. Um, Mm -hmm. I did the so there was the the North American premiere of the show was actually in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And so I did that there for a year and a half. And then I joined the baby. Yeah. Um, so I actually became the understudy for baby, which was really crazy. Uh, (laughs) my whole, my whole involvement with that show is like a pretty crazy, uh, story, but basically I came on as, um, I was in the ensemble, uh, in, in the ensemble and I was the understudy for Lisa and then all of the solos, um, because all of the songs, things like time of my life, um, uh, do you love me? They're all sung by um, like a staff kids at Kellerman's and things like that. <laughs> so it's like Baby and Johnny don't sing. Oh, um, okay. So so the the iconic songs like they didn't write new music. They just used mm-hmm. there's so much. I mean that soundtrack is so famous. Oh and no, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's literally songs playing throughout the entire show. Like there's a background track for a lot of scenes, which is odd for um, musical theater. Mm-hmm. In fact, they would call it a musical, uh, I think they call it, well, they call it the classic story on stage, but it was like a, a play with music, I think they would say, okay. because it was, it was like a different thing. Um, but so, yeah, so I was those, and then I was the first understudy on for Lisa and the creative team heard that I did a good job <laughs> and I went on a lot for Lisa. 
Um, and she's the sister. Lisa is the sister that sings like that silly hula song <laughs> yeah. for those who know Dirty Dancing. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so then they ended up auditioning me for ma- uh, Baby next time they visited. And then I became the understudy for Baby. And then I um, uh, ended up joining the national tour as just like a standby for Baby uh, when they were in the, for, on their last leg in L.A. Okay. And so where are you from? Uh, I'm from Boca Raton, Florida. Okay. And, so yeah, I was so brought was a lot Toronto of people. Crew, it was like a mixture. Right, it was a okay. lot of a lot of Canadians, but then a lot they auditioned a ton of people in New York. So there were a lot of people brought over to Canada. Mm, okay. Um. Yeah. To do that. Very cool. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then when I came here, I started studying TV and film, right. and the the way I found improv was I took an uh, I don't know I was taking a bunch of classes mm-hmm. and some casting director said, you know, improv looks really good on your resume. You know, Mm -hmm. you should get that just as like a general tip for people. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started taking it, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I love. This is it. Um, and I really fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your, you found your people you felt like. Yeah. Not only my P yeah. Yeah. Cause you know what was really nice, um, in theater, whatever show you're working on, that's your community for the time being, right? Mm -hmm. But then that show ends and everyone gets split up and especially because like it's a tour and then people go on tour again. Like you physically can't stay together as a group. And, um, you know, the nice thing about improv is you can show up any night of the week and you will know someone, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like this constant community that's really nice. And it's unbelievably supportive as we know right. which is great um and on sketch too i also do sketch so just like the comedy community in general it's it's great that it's so constant yeah. and that it kind of feeds that want for uh seeing stuff creating stuff all of the above and yeah h- how long have you been in new york um i have been in new york uh, i'm gonna guess about 12 mm, ish years okay. something like that yeah yeah, and and I, I have the impression you have studied at more theaters than Magnet. You've, you've yes. done a lot of training in improv. Um, yeah, I started at UCB and mm-hmm. I took class there. Uh, then I took some some musical improv uh, classes at the Pit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I took a sketch at UCB, and then I went through the full um, program. Uh, for musical improv at the Magnet. Okay. Yeah. Because so, that's the only, it's the only theater that really has like a, a set, program consistent, for... full program. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is really amazing. Yeah, that is. Now, when it comes to how you ended up at Magnet versus one of the other theaters, yes. obviously all the theaters are doing their thing and are great. Uh, I've been uh-huh. to all of them. They're all really great and everyone knows them. Um, yeah. What attracted you to landing at the magnet yeah um well it was just you know it was kind of just by chance i guess initially it was just getting on a team team there but Mm -hmm. then i really fell in love um so i've actually been on teams at all three theaters i was on uh characters welcome for at uh ucb the very first um one of that oh cool Uh, sorry when i mean the very first one the very first characters welcome team that existed i was on that one cool and then um the pit i was on title of team there 
And, um, but the, my very first house team was at magnet. Mm-hmm. It was in the sketch program and it was called party. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, essentially I was trying really hard to get on a house team. I was mostly auditioning. I think at that time at just UCB, um, maybe I had, maybe I had dabbled at the pit at that point. And I just submitted for, for the magnet. And at that time, the sketch program, um, was everyone was a writer and a performer. Right. You, everyone did everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I got accepted. I submitted a packet and I think you also submitted all of your experience. Everything has changed so much since then. Mm-hmm. Um, because now they have writers, writer performers right. or just write, uh, or just performers. Um, so yeah, so that was my first house team. And then I think the second one was at the pit. And then I think I got on a musical improv team at the magnet and then i think i did ucb's um uh characters welcome and there was at one point i was on like five teams at once (laughs) yeah that's a lot (laughs) and yeah and i think i i dropped from magnet sketch program for a little bit because that's like one of the especially if you're writing it's Mm -hmm. just too big of a commitment and because i was also writing for characters welcome um and then i came back once my schedule evened out um and I've been on the executive since then, and I've been very, very grateful because yeah. they are awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's great to have all those different experiences. They're obviously going to uh, grow you in a lot of different ways. Do mm-hmm. you feel that there's – because I know that there are at least a couple of different approaches to improv at the different yes. theaters. So, uh, between those three theaters, at least two different <laughs> approaches. Yeah, did you totally. feel sort of – Oh, no, no, I think what's really great about improv and the way everyone teaches improv for the most part, um, at least everyone I've studied with the specific teachers at each place is Mm -hmm. that it's kind of, they are very like whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. And I also think like, I think they're all like, these are different tools that Mm -hmm. can help you make good scene. Mm -hmm. Um, and some, you know, I would say maybe different places focus on something different. Right. Um, you know, like people say, oh, you see be super heavy on game, but it's not like Magnet or Pit don't play game. Like we play exactly. it pretty hard. Yeah. We just maybe, maybe the focus is slightly different. Right. Um, at different places. But um, the, we, everyone teaches the, the same, same thing. thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Everyone's teaching you like, be honest, listen. Uh, react emotionally, right. you know, all of those yeah. things. Have a relationship um, uh, that you're mm-hmm. focusing on. Yeah, that's when I... And look for patterns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I've been learned from or, or been in conversation with people who train at the UCB, they're talking about all of those different elements. It's not like the people who perform there or who, the people I've interacted with who, who teach there are only mm-hmm. saying, like, got to do the game. The game is the only thing. You know, they're yeah. not saying things like that. They're, they, as you're saying, they are talking about having these uh, natural emotional reactions. People have heard it on this podcast with, like, previous right. guests. So um, there are all these different approaches to, as you said, making a good scene. And there yeah. are certain theaters where the mindset is, well, we kind of feel like this is the where the meat really is. But yes, the wrong thing to take from that is, uh, which is commonly taken, is that, well, this theater is just this and that theater is mm-hmm. just that. And that's just not how it really is when you go to yeah. these different theaters. 
Um, totally. You know, it's just whatever the performer thinks or the instructor thinks uh, works for them the most or the best. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, right? You know, like that's... Totally. <laughs> and I think everyone, like, is very supportive of that um, opinion and that mindset. So, yeah. 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 Which is also kind of what, in my opinion, good acting is also. I hate when people are like, oh, this is... Like, when people say method, that's, mm -hmm. like, supposed to be one specific method. But there are just so many different ways you yeah. can do it. So, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever works for you. Totally. That's how I feel. That's certainly how I feel. And I think, um, you know, people have learned the wrong lessons over the years. That's a really good point, that bringing up people talking about method acting, because mm -hmm. that same dynamic that we're hearing about now between these different improv theaters absolutely happened back with, like, Stanislavski and the way, like, mm -hmm. Chekhov maybe thought about that or whatever. Like, all these different... Yeah. There are all these different approaches to acting back then. Right. And it really just came down to how does your brain work? Yeah, like how do you interpret it? To the point where Stanislavski, um, everyone talks about the beats in mm -hmm. scenes. Apparently, supposedly, Stanislavski, like the very he he said, you you must break the scene into little tiny beats, mm -hmm. and he had big thick accent, and he was actually saying bits, um, but everyone heard beats. And so, like, that's now what we call, the, we call it the beats of the scene, which is funny because comedy people, we right. call them bits. We call We're like, bits. oh, that's a great bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's oh, all wow. about, like, how you interpret it. That's really, really interesting. I didn't know that about Santa Slot. That's really cool, though. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That. Yeah, um, it's like an old one from my high school days, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> so... One of the things that I really appreciated about your stage presence and performance was how open you are, I would say. Oh. Like you you go with the moment, and that's so perfect in improv, obviously. It's perfect in, in acting in general to really mm. feel the moment and kind of catch the wave and, and jumping on board with the, just the energy and the fun of performance and live performance. Obviously, that comes from years of training and performing and getting on stage. And, you know, you, you've been doing it since you were young. But what about someone right. who started at uh, 30? You know, like uh, yeah. uh, John Mahoney, who recently passed away, played the father on Frasier. He was 37 years old when he started acting. I just read uh, that. Yeah. That he it's was 37, 37 years old when he went into that business. And, yeah. and he's an amazing actor. So there's... You don't have to start at 14, is, is oh, one thing I want to say. But for someone to get to that level that you're at, like, what are the, some of the things that you realized that helped you open up so that you can have that stage presence that you have? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely, obviously, the confidence of knowing when you when you do this, you won't die, <laughs> right? That's like, everyone's like, oh, God, I'm going to get on stage, and, and then what? And we have that, like, knee-jerk reaction of, this is an unsafe situation, which is so funny, because in an improv stage, you couldn't be more safe. Right. Uh, <laughs> literally, there's people, we say, I've got your back before we go on stage. <laughs> right. So, like, even physically, let alone emotionally... But it's still really scary to put mm -hmm. yourself in front of people. So obviously, yes, definitely getting used to that, just like getting into a pool and being like, okay, and getting used to the the action of swimming and feeling that and feeling comfortable. Um, 
So yeah, definitely reps and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I think taking really good classes, which is also still reps. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe, I guess maybe even mindfulness. Mm, okay. Um, like from an actual meditative standpoint or? Yeah. I, you don't have to meditate to do improv. <laughs> I think it's just on my mind because uh -huh. I, I have been meditating recently. So mm -hmm. maybe that's why, um, which I've been doing and I've been loving it. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. Um, but just, I, I guess being, I mean, mindfulness to me is being aware of stuff that's happening and being present in the moment, mm -hmm. which is something we have to practice and learn yeah. um, in improv class or in sitting there with meditation, uh, both or so many other ways, because a lot of times we'll find ourselves, especially in New York, but any human is just like rushing through life sometimes and realizes, oh, I forgot to react to this thing, you know, mm -hmm. like I forgot to react to this person who gave me this really warm smile and asked how my day was. And I was just like, yeah, good. <laughs> um, and you don't even <laughs> react to that human uh, giving you that, right? Giving you that right. gift. Right. So I think, I think that helps just being open and aware and being able to accept those things from people. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is, um, it, for me anyway, that helps is having teammates that you know they've got you. Um, with public pool especially, I know, I mean, we have gone down, <laughs> you know, they say, uh, what is it? Neil Casey said, you know, if you take the train to crazy town, take the local. <laughs> Sometimes we get on that express train to crazy town just mm -hmm. because one move it happened. And what's so great is everyone's like, okay, we're in crazy town mm -hmm. and we're going to figure this out. And I love that because we're all just like, no one panics. Everyone is right there. Mm -hmm. And we have found ourselves in shows that could have been really, really tricky and we figured something out or we've just let ourselves go off the deep end and like have all these amazing discoveries. I think that's what's so incredible about that team. Mm -hmm. um, but also sometimes you are just in straight up crazy town and it's like, OK, this is insane but it's still almost always a really entertaining show because we're like, all right, we're just going to have fun in this insane place. And I, I've seen a lot of shows where people go to crazy town and they're all aware they're in crazy town and you can feel that they're just freaking out and not having a nice time. Right. And obviously you as the audience member is not either because you're just worried. <laughs> you're so oh, worried yeah. for them. Uh, there, there was um, something I heard someone making a point about fear and, and the audience picking up on it. Some people will say like, oh, the audience will eat you alive. The audience is not there to eat you alive. But right. they will be uncomfortable if the performers on stage are uncomfortable. Yeah. And you will feel that uncomfortability and get swallowed up. Totally. Exactly. That's totally what it is. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any time I go to a show and I'm like, who am I going to destroy in my head right, right now? Right, <laughs> right. I've never been to a show like with that attitude. I mean, I've seen stuff and I'm like, this is really bad. But right. But it, it's usually, yeah, you feeling for that person um, or just being like, why did they make this? And this is usually more for written stuff than, than for, um, I'm thinking more of theater. I feel like that stuff, you know, there's more time and money put into it. 
that when you see something that's kind of bad, you're mm-hmm. like, what, how I'm, I mean, I guess to other people, this was very good, obviously. Um, mm. you know, it's again, <laughs> as we interpret it, I'm seeing it as bits and they're seeing it as beats, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting how we ha- still have that mindset about the audience. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that people, it's almost like the least of your worries, or at least it should mm-hmm. be, you know, like you're there to right. entertain them and, and show them a good time and everything. But I kind of feel like during the scene, during your performance, like they're the last thing you should really be thinking about. <laughs> it's like so much yeah. more going on. Totally. In the stage that you should take your focus. Yeah, although they are, this is actually something I learned in acting, and it's very true with improv. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just play to laughs, but exactly. especially with comedy, you do. There is a fo- there is an extra sense that you have to have for yeah. riding riding the audience's energy and riding mm-hmm. the laughs. But it's something you can't put too much focus on. And also, again, having more and more experience of doing that, you can really feel that out. Right. Um, and right. so that's it's, that's a factor. The audience is kind of like another they're uh, an element member yeah, because they're yeah. not, if they're just sitting there quiet and silent the whole time then you're gonna notice Mm -hmm. that right Um, and and yes like obviously you can't talk while they're laughing you know yeah totally when it's like a a play and it's this huge laugh you i mean you'll you'll learn that you learn how to Mm -hmm. hear that laugh and react appropriately Um, yeah but yeah if you do a deep dive on like oh gotta get that laugh then you're probably (laughs) focusing a little too much on that yes. element of that the audience brings to the to any show. Yeah. I think actually yeah, that's a good way to think about it is like you're not going for the laughs, but you're riding the laughs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I I resp- <laughs> I like the way you worded it even though <laughs> you're kind of like rewording what I was what we were Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm yeah. making it like a concise little <laughs> yeah, sentence you said it really from, well, from our I, rambles. <laughs> <laughs> I responded like you're <laughs> Like I, I responded like you're the only one who said it. it almost, right? Yeah. This is the, my idea that I just had. <laughs> to the listener, it sounds like like I just went, yeah, really good point about what I was saying, you know. But that's not what I meant. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also have, as you mentioned, gone in the TV and film, and mm-hmm. that's been pretty exciting because you've done some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing some fun things and um I've really I've really liked doing TV and film. I I think I prefer it a little bit more actually. Oh, just yeah? cuz Yeah, I mean there's the definitely <laughs> Yeah, the pay is great. I mean the pay is less consistent, but mm-hmm. it's obviously it's it's higher pay because there's less consistent work because right. you're, you know, you're doing more auditions for shorter jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually, well, when I was doing Dirty Dancing, I kind of felt a little bit like after you've been doing a show for a year and a half, um, same show eight mm-hmm. times a week, mm-hmm. you start to feel a little bit like, oh, okay, this is like a nine to five job. <laughs> a little like, like, okay, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think my creative mind Granted, at that time, I wasn't creating my own stuff. And I bet if I was doing that, I would have been a lot more satisfied. Mm. Um, but that's what's really nice is with TV and film, it's just like always you're moving on to the next thing. Yeah. But there is something there is something nice about doing the same show over and over again. Um, 
for instance, uh, my sketch team, the executives, we were on Monday nights and we got moved to Fridays Mm -hmm. and we would do one show, you know, once a a month. That's generally the typical timeline for Mm -hmm. writing the show and then doing it in the sketch world. But we've started to do the same show for four weeks um, in a row. And it was really nice. Uh, to get to do that sketch more than one time yeah. because yeah, it, you, you learn to edit it mm-hmm. from, yeah, from the audience. And it, it was like, Oh, I remember this. This is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I bet from an it. acting standpoint too, it's nice to be able to get another crack at certain moments too. Oh my God. Yeah. I, there were, there were, for instance, the last show we did, um, there were there were a couple little moments that I discovered in this one part that got laughs because mm-hmm. I milked this moment or I took a little more time or I played it slightly differently, um, and it it makes a hu- it makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. the, obviously, the audience can be different too mm-hmm. um, with their type or with how responsive they are. But it's it's really nice to get to fine tune that and. You know, we create stuff so fast in the comedy world yeah. that Especially we improv. don't always get that opportunity. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally gone by right. the time you finish the set. Yeah. Yeah, and you didn't have it to perfect before you stepped on the stage and took the suggestion, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's one of the things that I do miss. Um, like, when I do improv, one of the things I'm trying to get at, like a, a stage mm-hmm. I'm trying to get at is being real and present and in the moment and mm-hmm. to look like a real human person and not yeah. just an improviser making choices. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm still working my way of, on getting there. I think it's, there are tons of people who are doing that. So I, I know mm-hmm. it's a possibility. The thing that is so fun about having a script is how, like, okay, I know exactly what I need to just lock in with. Mm, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice about when it comes to improv, being able to lock in with a character on stage the way someone can as an actor with a script? Well, I think for musical uh, musical improv, we have we have a little bit more of a structure and a format, mm-hmm. which everyone else thinks sees as scary and as harder. Um, but I actually, once I had my improv background, I found it easier mm. because I always, one, you always know a song's coming, mm-hmm. you know, whereas when you're in a regular improv scene, you're like, who knows what's coming, <laughs> you know, like all else fails. You can make an emotional choice, just like mm-hmm. get really emotional about something, like really care a lot about something and the band will start playing. Okay. Um, you also have the band who's also got your back, which is really great. And they're also forcing you into more of a, a style or a genre. So that really helps. Mm-hmm. So um, what I was going to say with musical improv, what's really nice for us, and I think it can be applied for regular improv, but it's just more obvious with musical improv, is um, playing into certain archetypes archetypes mm-hmm. or um genre, all that kind of stuff really helps with making character choices because mm-hmm. we have all this, we have this rich knowledge from all these movies and books we read and television shows we watch um, of, of types of characters. And obviously they're all nuanced, but it's kind of, you know, the character game is like, okay, what kind of a person is this, right? Mm-hmm. And so instead of us thinking, if this is true, what else is true? If you're thinking, oh, I'm playing like, 
you know, a James Bond type character right away, you know, what kind of drink you're probably going to order, right? right? You know, like how you're going to stand, how you're going to talk to someone, uh, you know, right away you have just instant mm -hmm. an image, um, in your head or just things to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that really helps. I think that's like the quickest way to get to a character is, is through either genre or just type, you know, okay. or if I said, you know, uh, and then obviously playing for the comedy, then playing with what's different from that. Right. So you have all of those things. And then if you layer in something that's the opposite of that, like, mm -hmm. let's say, um, I, I mean, I, unfortunately I have like characters that people have performed. Like I think of, uh, Matt Rogers did a character that was like a James Bond villain who just like kept ordering these insane drinks <laughs> that, and that, and then, and the bartender was like, no, I don't have that. And he was like, no, <laughs> um, uh, you know, so, so right away it's like, oh, this person like who's so smooth, you know, can't get a drink at this bar. Right. They, they have this like awkward moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I think first layering in just the what who is this character and trying to do that as uncerebrally mm -hmm. as possible <laughs> um, because if you get too thinky you get in your head yeah and I'm very um, bad about getting in my head yeah I think like the physicality exercises that they do really help you know mm -hmm. having you lead with something or I feel like anytime we start with an emotion we're just going, we're cooking with gas that, okay. that exercise too. Um, these are the, I guess for the non improvisers, though, I've, I'm sure most people listening are improvisers. Yeah. The, the, the exercises that most, almost I think everywhere teaches, mm -hmm. um, are really, really helpful and they're always good to go back to. And our coaches still bring those in for any house, uh, house team practices because they're really helpful. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, good advice. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but we, uh, I, I diverted you from talk, yes. getting to talk about your fun TV uh, film stuff that you've done. Oh, um, sure. You've been on Broad City. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you've you had a, a fun character there, and um, uh, it's memorable because it even got a gift, didn't? Weren't you even in a gif for? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like in the very first gif for that show, so that was really awesome. Yeah, that's super um, cool. Yeah, it was the first season. You just you film a thing. You're like, who knows? Mm. And it and I couldn't tell. Also, uh, so one just seeing this GIF of my scene pop up was really really fun because it was a really funny scene um, that they wrote. And then also I couldn't tell if that show was just everyone loved it around us because mm -hmm. all our friends were in it, <laughs> or if it was actually <laughs> successful. Like if the rest of the world was watching it, because my Facebook feed, everyone was watching it, of right, course. Right. But my Facebook feed is like a pretty specific um, <laughs> group of people that this show happened to apply to. Uh, right. So I'm really, I was really happy to see it be so successful because it's so funny and they're so freaking funny. So great. They're two of my favorites and people I really yeah. uh, look up to. Yeah. Um, so you did you get involved with that show? Because I've recognize people in the background on that show mm -hmm. before as being some UCB people. So I just had the assumption like, oh, so they were able to cast some people they know, throw some bones to some friends at UCB, which is nice, which is really great. I yeah. wasn't sure if that was your case or if that was something that you auditioned for and then happened to get. 
it was something I auditioned for but happened to get. But I do remember, I think, in the breakdown, because um, I actually self-submitted for that, which is also mm. crazy. That's yeah. not something a lot of shows don't often accept self-submissions. But um, I think it was on, like, Actors Access because it oh, was wow. much smaller then. And it was uh, Cody Beak and Seth White. And mm -hmm. so, first of all, those guys, they do a ton of comedy and have cast a lot of the stuff I've done. Um, and they love improvisers. Hmm. So I remember in, I think the comment section, I was like, you know, improv, improv, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, made sure to like list like UCB, all that good stuff. Um, pit magnet. And, um, sure enough, uh, they call me in and I ended up, you know, just getting that part. So, yeah, yeah. that's cool. And then you got to be in the characters on Netflix. Uh -huh. is, you know, the characters is a, is a big show there. It's like such great names. That oh, were involved yeah. with that show. So uh, that had to have been an awesome experience as well. Yeah, that was a really fun one to shoot as well. Also, and more recently, you've been on uh, Robin Thede's show, The Rundown on BT, and you were on Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually, I just filmed another uh, sketch for The Rundown, and it's airing. Uh, this will be, you know, I'm sure not put out right now next tuesday yeah okay well it's airing tonight while we're while we're recording which is what is what's today the eighth the eighth yeah so um so check that that's coming out tonight out yeah on bet thursday yeah from last thursday from the eighth um but they're great and they love reusing people which is awesome yeah um and they, it's really just so many really funny people over there um, and yeah, what was, oh, and then the late show with Stephen Colbert, that was also a really fun one. We got to do like a big musical number. Uh, it was also very sad cause it was the eve of the election. Oh and yeah. <laughs> that was a tough night for, uh, well, no, or sorry, the eve, sorry, the evening before the evening before oh, the, the e election, not the, eve, so, not the night of the election. That was the, the tough the night. Eve, I yeah. to someone who works there about that, how weird the energy was that night, but oh my God, you were yeah. there the night before. I was there the night before, and I even saw a sketch that I, I'm pretty sure they just couldn't use the next night that, um, like, Katy Perry was filming um, that was all about, like, okay, now that a woman's president, oh, uh, yeah. this is these are the new uh, ways the world's going to work. And <laughs> th that was not the case, you know. Yeah. It, so it was really interesting. We did this very hopeful um, number on Vote for Hillary. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was like a big Les Mis style number. And yeah, and then of course, <laughs> the the opposite happened the next day. Yep, yep, so yep, yeah, uh, anyway, yep. <laughs> but that was an interesting experience for sure. Yeah, was that another like auditioning and, and getting brought in? No. What exactly, so you were, didn't you sing on that episode? I did. So they, I think they were just looking for people that sang, um, and uh, Henry Russell Bergstein, I believe, was involved with with helping look for people. Mm -hmm. And he was actually on a magnet team with me. He was on um, we were on Legend together. I've been on a few different musical improv teams at the magnet. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think he had called my agent at the time and was like, hey, do you uh, they were just spitballing about different different things. And um, my name come, came up and he was like, oh, yeah, perfect. So it always helps, you know, it definitely yeah. is about like, it helps obviously if people are like, oh, I know this person and they're reliable, all that good stuff. And they're aware of what you can do. So yeah, you never know. You never know like what you no. do that will help lead <laughs> exactly, to something. Exactly, yeah. 
yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard so many fun stories about someone who was just like, did something random and it led to this huge thing. Yeah. Um, I Okay, so you were involved with a film called mm-hmm. Street Fighter 2. Oh, yes, I was. Now, I want to know, <laughs> was this like the Street Fighter 2 that was in theaters? No. Okay. It was a fan film. Okay. It was, <laughs> uh, it was a fan film, and I played Cammy. And then uh, there was also Chun-Li. And it was mm-hmm. this showdown between Cammy and Chun-Li. Mm-hmm. And we did all this fight choreography. And it was an insane, an insane experience. It okay. was, there was a lot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were a lot of um, issues on that mm-hmm. set, safety-wise and oh, things yeah. that uh, I learned uh, a few lessons on how to how to make sure to like stand up for yourself and like what you feel comfortable doing and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's so good. It, yeah. it was it was interesting. It was definitely a low budget thing uh, a, a good few years ago, um, and it's it's a pretty it's a pretty funny thing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a I little also, research yeah. I did. I noticed that and I was oh, like man. Street Fighter Two. I have to ask about that. But yes, um, I also I'd... botch an English accent in it, and I can do an okay English accent, but I. No, and to the point where I think a friend of mine was like, "No, your accent was good. You're uh, South African." <laughs> oh yeah, I was like, well, yeah. well, no, 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 no." <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask about um, since you brought up uh, learning to stand up for yourself and and say no yeah. to things because that is a very I think it's a hard thing for the average person to learn, but I especially think that's hard for people who are in the arts to. To really put their foot down and say, no, I can't do that. Um, yes. So uh, one very important point that I have heard people make is how crucial it is to learn what to say no to. Because once mm-hmm. if you are in entertainment start getting really busy, then that means more people are going to start asking you for stuff. And you're right. just going to have to know how to say no. Yes. Um, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's it's um there's definitely a balance to strike because obviously you don't um uh, you know with with accepting projects it, I it's tough because you also don't want to say yes to too many things and then right. not be able to do them right. and those people be totally screwed over mm-hmm. um you know there have been a few things where you know I discovered let's say it was like deferred or no pay or something like that and I'm like I just can't I can't you know commit to that and right. miss miss an audition. You know, things like that. And I don't want, I don't want them to be, I mean, it's obviously for me, but I also don't want them to be screwed if I'm like, look, I have to go to this audition for this paying gig if we're supposed to film the next day because auditions are super last minute. So it's one thing to say no to auditions when you're getting paid, but if you're not getting paid, it's not really something in my opinion you should do because you should always be going obviously for those opportunities um so that's tricky so yeah deciding when to say no and say yes and then also yeah when you're in situations i mean i'm very like game for anything kind of a person but obviously you know you need to keep your safety in mind and all that stuff and that's what's great about uh, actor unions Mm -hmm. um, like sag aftra or equity um but obviously when you're doing non-union stuff people can put you in some really tricky situations um, that are unsafe. Um, For instance, on that Street Fighter thing, an example is there was a guy that was adjusting one of the lights and it just like fell on his head 
and he oh, was wow. just crying out in pain. And everyone, all of the crew, was just standing there looking at him, not knowing what to do. They were all yeah. really young. And I was just like, someone at least get him a paper towel. And I like right. started to go and get something, just something for him, like a, a, a wet compress to at least mm -hmm. put on his, on his head because he was bleeding. Um, and he was okay. And, you know, everyone ended up being okay. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, little things like that that you just have to be aware of everything and you have to be, you know, you have to think through the consequences sometimes because, uh, I mean, that's what the unions do, right? They think through the consequences for you. Right. Um, and, and, and take so many horror stories themselves that they're like, well, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if, for instance, in dirty dancing, I think we were paid like an extra, I don't know, something small, like 25 bucks a week or something like that because we had to do uh, certain things that are safety. Um, there are a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're, they're safety concerns. It, basically, mm -hmm. we had to, like doing the scene where they dance on the log is you are dancing on an elevated teeny tiny uh, thing. So you could fall and hurt yourself. And so I guess what equity has come up with and obviously, if you do fall and hurt yourself, there's workers' comp, there's all that stuff. But you also get paid just that little bit more for being willing to take this risk with your body for mm -hmm. doing that. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's, they can work out all of those little things and have worked out, ironed all those little wrinkles out for actors, which is awesome. And for the, the crew, you know, everyone, everyone is in really... You, we're doing really insane things uh, because that's what people want to see, right. <laughs> right? Like these crazy action movies or right. whatever. Like that's people want to see people in these unsafe circumstances because that's not what we do in everyday life. So right, that's... I mean, it's like every Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> totally <laughs> huge. Yeah, stunt. you've got some work on Netflix uh, with the characters' work that's on there, and and mm -hmm. uh, also you're in Mansum, uh, correct? <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, uh, I was Morgan in Mansum's, Spurlock. yes, it was, he uh, produced a web series, actually, that oh, I was okay. in. Oh, okay, because it was, mm -hmm. wasn't there a, what's, like, something Morgan's, that was on? There was, so, yeah, it was, it was uh, a spinoff of the I'll original, okay. and it, okay. and it is also uh, produced by Morgan Spurlock, mm -hmm. but he did, um, they did this series uh, that was, like, Mansum, this, the web series that mm -hmm. was, um, uh, basically all these different um, scenarios for men. They, they put sketch comedy in, into, I, I think the episode I was in was like, how, how to move in with your girlfriend mm. or, you know, how to, how to tame your beard and like all those <laughs> kinds of things that uh, men uh, don't usually always get a ton of advice or, or help with. <laughs> so, yes. So they kind of took the original Mansum, which was just on grooming, and they expanded it to the world of anything that maybe men don't always talk about that could learn about things like that. So, yeah, that's what that was. Well, that's awesome. So that's available. That's out there. Um, yeah, it should be on the internet. Yeah, obviously people can see your work at Magnet on the Magnet stage uh, mm -hmm. Tuesday nights and, and when the executive and performs, uh, the executive performs. On Friday yeah. night. Um, uh, yes. What work can people find that you would like for people to look for find uh, online? Oh, um, 
Well, I mean, there's always obviously my website, uh, which, which I put, you know, updates with things that I've been doing, um, or whenever I make stuff, I put it on there, which is just my full name, lanequeteris.com. Um, I think, yeah, I think that would probably, I mean, that would be, yeah, if I make something, it goes there. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then obviously I perform, uh, also doing different, just one-offs at the magnet. Like I'm doing a character bash next week with, Mm -hmm. um, Allie Reed. We're doing like a, it's a pee in the pod edition, which is going to be really fun. So it's two, you know, characters that are two people, uh, performing character pieces that are like pee in the pod characters, like the, um, what's it called? The cheerleaders from SNL SNL, would be an example, or, you know, two characters that are very similar, um, that get to just work off of each other's energy. So that'll be really, really fun. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, people should certainly check that out. Uh, we've come to the end of the episode now where we create something together. And um, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting about uh, having like an archetype in your head to help ah. you get into a character. Yes. Um, and so maybe we can come up with a couple just by using uh, like we can get some loose association uh, totally uh, suggestions and then maybe say like, what's an archetype that we could do if we were running out on stage to do something. Um, yeah. Also, this would be great to write a character piece for like, it's a great place to start too. Cool. So well, either for improv or for sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Um, so let's see, there is a website where you can get improv suggestions Perfect. Uh, just at the click of buttons. <laughs> so we'll just talk through like we'll talk through like different um, mm-hmm. aspects of this character, basically. Yeah, like yeah. what could amazing? Okay. Yeah, and so this website for for people who don't know, it's called canigeta.com. Uh, nice. But it's like can dash like hyphen i uh-huh. hyphen get hyphen a dot com, uh, and then okay. you can just click on. They have three buttons: location, relationship, and word. And then it just randomly gets some <laughs> some suggestions here. Let's start Great. with relationship, sure, um, and see what we can come up with. So, relationship, author, editor, author, editor. Okay, so. so yeah, I would say right away, I think of, I mean, let's go for obvious here, right? Start mm-hmm. obvious, and then you can add in the unusual thing, just like improv. Mm-hmm. Um, so right away, I think of like a big, a, a big telling you how it is kind of editor, right? <laughs> like, you know, this author, the author, well, I guess, should we just focus on one character? Or? Well, um, I, no, we could do both. With the okay. author, I was think like Tweed for some reason came to mind, like a Tweed wearing guy, something. Yes, <laughs> like who's just author. like a delicate flower. Mm-hmm. He's just like he just you know he can't he can't say it out loud, so he has to write it down. He can't <laughs> use his words unless unless they're on the page. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. And, that sort of tell it like it is. I mean, we've seen a bunch of characters like that, but we kind of get an idea like, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? I can't remember the actor's name. It was a character actor who was like real rough around the edges, uh, who was big. And that, like, an image of him in my head. So you just can sort of approach playing that character 
by some of those images that come to your head or, or ideas that come to mind when you hear that stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And so right away, you know, the dynamic between both of them, right? Like this author is going to be very, uh, is going to be steamrolled a lot and uh, <laughs> most likely will have probably the better ideas mm-hmm. than the editor, hence, since they're the least listened to ideas <laughs> um, in the room. And, you know, the editor most likely would, I would say, probably have, he would want everything to be um, things that are sellable, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. the editor's job. So it's... <laughs> we got to market this, kid. <laughs> There's no boobs in this book. Where are the boobs? <laughs> People want boobs nowadays. <laughs> I don't know how to write <laughs> boobs. Do you, do you want me to draw them? I don't understand. <laughs> right. I don't... I, <laughs> no, you should be able to see them with words. No, just see them. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I love that. I like the tweet aspect too. I think that's like very tiny details like that are really really nice um, because costumes also really affect the way you move yeah. or clothes. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, certainly. Yeah, and then I, when you're have that in your mind, then it's something that's it's just a uh-huh. layer to your character that. Maybe it never comes out. Maybe it's never revealed to the audience. But Mm -hmm. um, there was something when I was in Lewis Kornfeld's level three class, he was mentioning, he mentioned that um, he thinks it was Dave Pasquese, I think, that uh, gave this note when he was teaching, um, that he said something about like, if if you're going to open up a refrigerator door, actually see the rhubarb pie that's in the in the refrigerator and just choose not to have any and close the door you know nice like that's just this other little detail that's never going to come out for the audience but you're playing something more real when you because how many times do we as improvisers Mm -hmm. just like go and pick something up and put it down or open a door and close it we don't right we're just doing it just to say like oh well play with the environment but Actually mm-hmm. be a part of that environment by mentally thinking, like, I'm wearing tweed right now, <laughs> you know? Like, right. As well as the fact that, like, maybe that rhubarb pie will come up later. Right, um, yeah. Because then then you also have, you you have a well to pull from. You already know all these things that are surrounding you, um, so you don't have to create out of nothingness every single moment. You already have building blocks. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right, now let's try another one from Can yes. I Get a Location. Oh, okay. um, Great. Really quickly before that, though, I think the editor should wear like a dirty old suit. Like he just, he just like, <laughs> all he's like making all of this money, but he just like doesn't, he hasn't like bought a new suit in like ages. And probably his wife at home is like, can't you just get a new one? <laughs> uh, these suits are good enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, location Botanical okay. Garden. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Lots of things come to mind. Um, obviously, you can be someone who works there. I'm also mm. thinking because I went to a wedding at a botanical garden once. Um, yes, lots like, happen. You know, like a, a couple that's looking for a, they're they're shopping, they're finding a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are some ideas coming to your mind that can help someone lock into a character? Yeah. So um, right away. Uh, when you mentioned the couple, I just thought, wouldn't it be fun? I feel like the typical thing that people always do is that, like, the bride is always wanting the big extravagant wedding. Mm-hmm. So it'd be it'd be kind of a little a fun little reversal of that sort of stereotype uh, scenario of maybe maybe the groom wanting that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of wanting this like big, incredible wedding and the bride being like, this works. <laughs> mm. Um, that's more scenario based though. Let's see. Okay. So, all right, let's say we have, I do this. like that though. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Well, it's, you know, you start with something. So, all right. So we have this sort of a scenario for this couple. They're looking for the place for their wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, okay, why, why a botanical garden? Um, there's something sort of, uh, there's, there's something, okay. So weddings, yes, it's all about, you want somewhere beautiful and romantic, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty, there's something a little uninventive about going to a botanical garden to me. (laughs) Like, like these are the people, okay. How about this couple is we group them together. We pee in the pod them since, Mm -hmm. um, since that way we also don't have to create two different characters. Um, so they are just like, they want, they want all of the like most stereotypical couple stuff. Like they're that couple <laughs> that has that Instagram. Oh they're, yeah. Uh-huh. That just, they write hashtag blessed on yeah, everything. On everything. Yeah. Um, um, every other post is about how, their forever man or <laughs> forever mm-hmm. woman and this uh, is uh, uh so great <laughs> um yeah 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 a lot instead of, of instead of rose petals they've decided to to uh take botan they want botanical garden petals <laughs> which are like botanical bo- petals which <laughs> right. a, a, bo- a botanical plant is like very aren't they very delicate like yeah. you, and, and rare like and you shouldn't mess with them a lot of them, them? Be large too <laughs> Like larger yeah, yeah, yeah. than like yeah, they're just rose. <laughs> they've decided that they want this, so like everything that they would want, just these huge, oversized petals everywhere. Maybe for it to like rain down, they would want it to rain down botanical petals, and it's just like <laughs> it would just get caught on their face. I'm thinking, I'm thinking very scenario based, but I guess I guess that's also well, what happens dead. next with yeah, the character, no, you, right? No, you find great. yourself in these scenarios. Um, yeah, what else? What else are things that those couples do? Um, <laughs> in, instead of uh, a cake, they have a, um, a, a, a chocolate fondue that everyone has to feed each other, and it's <laughs> that's the rule. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't just put it on your own plate. You're not allowed to eat your own food. You have to feed someone else. <laughs> like. Like even if you show up single, like you gotta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, so it's like so you would be playing really pretentious, but like perfectly displayed almost character. Like people who try to yes. they they try to display themselves in such a perfect, uh, too perfect sort of way. Yes, like love. <laughs> love is for the showing. <laughs> love is meant to be shown, <laughs> right. right? That would that would be that's oh yeah, that's always like an important thing with creating a character is having a philosophy, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so that yeah, love is meant to be shown. Yeah, <laughs> would they, I they, feel like be their philosophy? I feel like they're the kind of people that you'll see standing, and they look they stand the way people stand in like J. Crew ads. Hmm. Like there's certain way, I, like there's a way that people stand in in ads for yes. clothing that people uh, pe- that's no trying so hard to look except casual. for these Instagram people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that, someone like, doing knee, that on the subway the other in. day. I was like, what? Who stands like that? That's a very <laughs> uncomfortable way to stand. And I'm that's sure really great. A, an Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and she. I hope she was dressed in like some normcore clothes or something. Um, Do you know what that is? No. 
I apparently I am late to the party with this um, term, but it's also new to me. But it's people who purposely dress in like old kind of out of style things. Oh, um, she was. So it's called normcore. No, she was, she was very stylish. In, she had a big hat and uh, the, the flowy top and the perfect designer jeans and the nice shoes. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. your typical Instagram um, that's, lifestyle. That would be. That's a great hack for like any of those characters, though. Like right away, you know, if you're playing someone <laughs> who's wearing a, a lot of designer clothes, they're going to stand like a model. <laughs> yeah, they have a big <laughs> even if it's like hat. very subtle. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah. always they're always doing like the shoulder slouch, the like <laughs> right. model shoulder slouch. <laughs> Which is like, why is that attractive? Has <laughs> always been my thing too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, okay, now we'll move on to word. Uh, a word sure. suggestion from Can I Get a, and it is lock it. Okay, lock it. Lock it. Okay, now obviously the first thing that comes to mind is Rose mm-hmm. from Titanic, which you oh, probably want to yes. get away from. You're right. trying to create your own character. You don't want to necessarily play another character and make a reference to Titanic. Uh-huh. But Locket, that's maybe a tough one to get a character idea from. Well, Locket is like something you wear that can be precious. It, you mm-hmm. keep either someone inside of it or I mm. actually, there was this book that I read when I was a child where this little girl was given a Locket and she was mm-hmm. told... She was told it had magical powers, but never to open it. And then she finally, and she did, she went against what she was supposed to do and she opened it and it was a mirror inside. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you had the power the whole time. Cause I think her, her, her life started getting really great. Like it, everything started going well when she got this locket. Uh-huh. And I think she, her confidence went up because of it. Um, so, I mean, maybe there's something in that, uh, maybe. Would, yeah. I guess I, what I thought of was like, as like in addition to that was sort of being physical with it you know if it's something you can hold like maybe holding it in such a way so if it's uh-huh. like a locket on, on a necklace you can just like uh-huh. hold out your your locket and maybe that makes you stand a certain way and then talk a certain way and then maybe that makes you think a certain way and maybe that kind of is like the building blocks of a character some of the building blocks so like 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 holding your yeah. stuff on display. Like you're holding, yeah. You're just you're like talking about whatever, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you're not talking about the locket. But you're just holding it up uh, on display. But it's just sort of like an affectation or or something of just yeah, just a a, a character trait or like someone's always like fiddling with their locket on their on their maybe neck. it could be. Maybe it could be like a mom who's just like, did you know I have kids? These are them. These are my kids. I keep them close to my heart this way. This is is where they belong. (laughs) They're both in school. (laughs) They're in math class right now. I know because I have their schedule. (laughs) Right? Maybe it's just like she, her, all of her self-worth is, she is put now into her children. Yes. Like so, so many parents i mean because you do you give up so much about yourself to (laughs) so that these kids can thrive but a lot of a lot of parents just lose all all of their worth they they lose all of their identity and everything is in these kids Mm -hmm. um you know she goes out to dinner she's like i'll have a peanut butter and jelly because that's what sam likes (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Did you see him? He's in my locket. It's close to my heart. <laughs> there it is. That was Yay. great. Oh, those are great. Uh, those are fun. fun. Thanks for yeah. doing that. And thanks for of being course. on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. What a fun episode. I really appreciated having her on, and I hope you took notes because she gave a lot of really good tips in there, right? Very thankful she was on. If you want to find out more about her, go to lanequeteris.com. Of course, the link is in the bio, so don't worry about misspelling the name. Just click a button. And you can also find out more about this podcast at thereitispod.com. And you can follow us at thereitispod on both Twitter and Facebook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Well, folks, that has been today's episode. Fun episode next week. Very excited to share it with you. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.